0: 709 on CJAD, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How are you, Josh?
1: Excellent, Dan.
0: Great. And we welcome our guests for this evening, Reza and Ali Kajavi of Netoyer Express. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having
2: us. Great to be here.
0: So we kick off the show, Josh, as we usually do, uh, by asking our guests to tell us a bit about their business.
2: And Netoyer Express,
0: I guess, uh, you clean
2: stuff. Yeah, so so Netwell Express is a pickup and delivery dry cleaning and wash and fold uh, laundry service. And so instead of customers having to drag their clothes down to the local dry cleaner or spend hours and hours doing laundry, they would just log on to our website where they can schedule a pickup um, at a time that works for them. And then we pick up their laundry and dry cleaning from their home or office. And then depending on the delivery speed they choose, um, they can even get their dry cleaning back delivered the same day, which
1: is pretty cool. Now, this is a service that's probably been around for a long time, but you guys decided to go into this a number of years ago. Where did it start? Where did you feel the need that this business had to be taken onto uh, your your own, I guess, foray?
3: When we were thinking of starting a business because we're actually entrepreneurs at heart. We always wanted to start a business. When we looked at it, it was a traditional business that made sense. Revenue was supposed to come back right away. We tried to make a change, try to make it easier for the customers. So that's how we ended up being in the pickup and delivery service. Um, later on, we noticed that we don't need a store. We could go online, and that's how it came to be. And as time went by, we learned
1: and we grew and we evolved. <laughs> now, yeah, now, di- now. Target market. You know, when you're thinking about starting the business, I mean you're it's a service for a specific group or various groups. How did that enter into the thought process? Well,
2: we knew that you know, people don't just don't have time anymore to do, you know, repetitive and and boring things. And dry cleaning is a really painful process. Like you'd have to find the time in your day to make it down to the dry cleaner. And normally they're open when you're at work and they're closed when you leave work, so that's a complicated thing on itself. And then um, and so we we thought that, you know, to be able to simplify that process and use the power of the web to make all the scheduling a lot easier, um, we were sure that there's a lot of people that would just love to have the time uh, freed up from their schedule, and, and it worked out that way. There's a lot of um, ma- main our customers are either young professionals or busy students, and um, it's just fantastic how
1: much time they can save without even paying more to use our service. Now, were you guys always have had an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, when you guys were you doing anything before this? Was it only school? Did you always kind of kick around the idea or try to make a bucker here? I mean, it all started back when Reza was 8, I was 9. We wanted
3: to make a couple of bucks so we could get candy from the depanar. So we thought we'd take our inventory of juices that our parents bought, put them <laughs> in the freezer, and take them out during a hot sunny day and sell them for a dollar or two. And we noticed that since we were young there was a high chance that we could get robbed. Uh so we would call one of our biggest friends, have him walk around with us to protect us and we give him free juices all day. And from then it was always about what's the idea, how can we make a dollar into two and it just any opportunity we got we took advantage.
2: Yeah, and then when um when we were, you know, thinking about starting the Twilight's Express, it was you know, we didn't have a big budget to, to work with and it was it was really like we were bouncing around a few ideas and the criteria was that we had to be able to launch the business with something like three thousand dollars or less so we started you know thinking about what are some of the things that we could do with with such a limited budget and to us this model um, worked pretty well because um, we actually part of the business model is that we don't do the dry cleaning and laundry ourselves we partner with with local cleaners and so it was interesting because um, then we didn't we didn't have to uh, create a store or a plant and, and invest in all that machinery all we really had to do was um, set up the original website which was pretty basic at the time and do some some you know little marketing here and there but we were really able to to start it
1: with with next to nothing that was one of the interesting things about it now you you say you needed very little money were you able to go out and get a little bit of funding or financing or dollars Uh, maybe you can you know as a real startup maybe you can kind of describe that experience and what you learned from it that's actually a great question and we we're going to touch on that tonight. Quebec is actually a
3: great uh province for that uh uh funds, you know. Uh we were able to raise up to $30,000 in bursaries from Cij C uh Sage, CDEC, mares Foundation and uh you know, it's it's been a great support. That was actually the great boost that we got initially to give us the momentum and the capital to keep moving forward. So there's definitely a lot of prevent uh Potential in this province, and uh, we we're really
1: able to get a lot of momentum for that. How did you find these organizations or these funds? Was it an online search? Was it uh, some contacts that you knew? How did you how did you find these well, groups?
2: Well, we had, we had already started the business without knowing that any of these resources exist. Um, but then, then we started looking at um, places that, not necessarily looking for funding or or, or financial support, but places that would you know provide resources and help for for young entrepreneurs and I think the first um, place that we got introduced to was Yes Montreal just you know from a little bit of searching and googling we found them and um, they set us up with a business coach and then they had a mentorship program which was really great and then I think it was them that told us about because they don't actually offer any funding themselves it's more business coaching and which is you know great in and of itself but then they guided us in in showing us where we can go to um, to see
1: some of the programs available to get some funding. Dan, young entrepreneurs, I mean, this is, you know, we talk about, we talk with entrepreneurs all the time, these guys are the epitome of entrepreneurs, start up, go something small, good idea, turn into something big. It's going to be really interesting to continue to hear this story. Mm. And I want to ask Ali about his hoodie after the break and the great slogan that's on it, which I think
0: is really fantastic. So we'll get to that on Today's Entrepreneur with Reza and Ali Kajavi of Nittwayar Express, 718 on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur, Reza and Ali Kajavi of Nittwayar Express, and uh, Josh we're talking about their cleaning service, which is a bit different. You can book appointments online, they come, pick up your laundry, drop it off, and we'll, we'll get to the slogan in a second. Uh, But first, more
1: on on the business itself. And I think just before we left for the break, uh, there was a key word mentioned, and it was mentorship. And certainly when you're starting up a business, if there is some lack of experience, you know, we've spoken about many mentors before with past entrepreneurs, and a lot of them have throughout their lives met a lot. But I'd love to hear this mentorship program that you guys kind of used, relied upon, uh, was a great boost to your business, certainly early on. I mean... Uh, It was actually one of the
3: best things that happened to us at Yes Montreal and throughout our uh, career in this business. Uh, We just, you know, got a call from them. They told us they wanted to sponsor us with a mentor. And next thing we knew, uh, Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix & Norton Cookies, is sitting there telling us, you know, we're gonna chat for about a year. I'm gonna tell you my experience and give you guys some critique about what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And we're just amazed every time we were with him. It was just hours would pass by and just we didn't want it to end because this man is so knowledgeable, and is so experienced. And it was just an honor to get to know him. And it's he's become a great friend to us. You know, it
1: kind of brings up the the, the concept of theory versus practice. You know, you're going through school, you're learning the business techniques, and that you're hearing your mentor and you're kind of living it. You know, maybe you can talk a little bit about, because you're relatively close to it, the difference you've experienced between the theory you're learning and really the practical side of running the business.
3: I mean, that's very interesting because I'm studying business at John Molson and I go from running a business in the morning and then taking night classes and it's just two different worlds for me. Although the theory is always good and it helps you to sit down, think about things, calculate them, draw them out. And on the other hand, the real-life, uh, real-time uh, decisions that you have to make can never be simulated as much as they try in school. So I definitely suggest people to go for co-op programs to get a feel for both. And it's 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 actually, I feel I'm making the right decision by doing both right now. And I'm looking forward to finishing the bachelor's soon.
1: Now, you were talking about when you went for your fundraising and getting some, some money, you must have had to go prove your service prove your product yeah. kind of develop a business plan if you will yeah what did you take away from that process
2: and, and that was the interesting part because then because when we first started we didn't start with you know uh, creating a business plan first and then thinking about how we're going to launch the product we just launched it we just started you know you know getting sales and and promoting and marketing and we didn't really really think about a business plan but then once we started approaching the organizations for funding and for the grants, um, for them it was a requirement. We had to have a business plan. So it was kind of like we were already invested in the business and it was started and it was rolling, and now we have to to create a business plan. And it was really a great process because it 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 um, made us rethink everything from scratch in a way that we weren't necessarily thinking about because we were just um, thinking at it from a really surface point of view, uh, the service and the customers, but then the business plan forced us to think about um, three years down the line. What are the finances involved? How much money do you need? And so a lot of these key questions that we at first just thought that okay, we just need to get this business out of the way, the business plan out of the way to get these grants, turned out to be an amazing process for us to think about a lot of the important things that were were crucial to the to the future of the business.
1: And, and I think you know Dan, we we hear this so often on the show about. The business plan and the use of it and the creation of it, it's not for the banks and it's not for the people financing. I mean, yes, they might have the use of the document, but the reality is it's for the entrepreneur. It's to help them. Vet out their ideas to think to to look forward and to make use and and it's a moving target as well. I mean, Absolutely. you know, whatever you, it, nothing's in stone. It certainly moves. And uh, and I think it's a great lesson that you guys learned and that most entrepreneurs certainly realize as they start up and as they move along in their business.
0: And I will ask uh, Ali about that great slogan after the break. Today's Entrepreneur on CJ eighty at seven twenty three. Welcome back, Reza and Ali Kajavi of Netoyar Express. Our guests on today's Entrepreneur, and uh, I was. Uh, I was struck by this really great slogan on Ali's hoodie, imagine a life without laundry, which I think is just so brilliant. Uh, because I think a lot of people listening would love a life without laundry. Uh, tell us about you know the thought that goes into a slogan like that and, and the, I guess the, what goes behind it. I mean, can we really live without laundry? I- exactly. I mean, we're not just a business. We're trying to
3: set a trend. We're trying to create a culture and we want to make a dream a reality. We want you to never worry about laundry ever again and we really believe that this needs to be done to the fullest the experience needs to be wonderful and we want to do it better than anyone else could do it for you so yeah we we definitely wear shirts like this we're very enthusiastic we try to keep the young trendy uh, web savvy look all the time and at the same time we're very professional with our dress
1: shirts and our red ties you know I'm gonna get home my wife's gonna turn to me she's gonna say can you imagine a world without laundry (laughs) (laughs) that should be interesting but that brings us to kind of your marketing aspect and how do you how do you get the word out there? What was when you first launched and you said you know we're just running in uh, feet first? How did you get people to use your service? How did you get the word out of Nettoyeur Express?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we had um, I think that was p- one of the most interesting parts of the business, lot, some of the creative marketing stuff that we did. Um, for example, every September, around the time when school starts, uh, we have a campaign called Strike Against Laundry and that's probably the most, the most impactful um, marketing campaign that we have. So what we do is we, we get together about five or six people, and uh, we're all wearing T-shirts that says Strike Against Laundry, and we're holding up picket signs, and we're around the university, uh, uh, like the Miguel Ghetto and other areas. Not that they're familiar with
1: that kind of process.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so, so what's really great is we, we stand there, and we have the picket signs going, creating a lot of attention on the street, and as people walk by... Uh, we get them to hold the picket sign, and we take a photo of them holding it. And then that photo goes onto our Facebook page. Then user the, the 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 people are supposed to go on the Facebook page, find their photo, tag themselves in it, and then as many friends that they can get to like that photo, they get one extra chance uh, to win a prize in whatever contest we have at that time. And that you know that really exploded every year. We do it; it, it gets bigger and bigger, and there's uh, you know hundreds and hundreds of photos, and it. it and what's interesting is that that marketing campaign and the thousands of people we reach with it costs barely anything. It really doesn't cost much. It's just a creative way to, uh, to get people to know that we're here, that we're here and we
1: exist and uh, with a really tight budget. That- and and you, you raise a great point. It's, it's the businesses, the startups that have that shoestring budget that have no dollars to market. Uh, you certainly grasped it. Yeah. very well. Uh, are there other ideas or other whether it's online or or things that kind of work for you uh, or maybe something that didn't work for you so well uh, mm-hmm. that you would never do again?
2: Yeah well the web has been great to us and I think um, that's that's always been one of the biggest strengths that we have um, as we continue to grow and ever since we launched the first website and we've actually redid the website entirely from scratch three times since we started And we're about getting ready to do it for the fourth time, believe it or not. And um, ever since we we launched the first one, uh, we saw that we, we put a lot of effort into ranking well on Google on the different search terms involved for people finding out about us. And we noticed that there was a lot of people that didn't even know that we exist as a company, never heard about our name, never saw a flyer or a marketing campaign of ours. But they just expected that in this day and age, there must be some company out there that would come and pick up and deliver my laundry and have a great website which allows me to do all the scheduling. And we notice that with, with the search terms they use. Like we see people searching for pickup and delivery, dry cleaning in Montreal, and we're all over that first
1: page. And um, and a lot of people have found us just, just through that technique. So now measurement is huge. I mean, the, there's so many people that, you know, throw the darts at the dartboard from a marketing aspect, but never really figure out where the return is. Do you guys measure some of the areas or, or events or thoughts or processes that you use? Do you measure the return on how many people are kind of hitting uh, those activities? I mean because
3: we're so overwhelmed with tasks answering the phone, doing the deliveries, uh, updating the website what Reza's Occupy doing that most of the time, it's very hard to get it very exact but since we're so involved in the marketing campaigns in the deliveries we see the codes, the promo codes that come in online We're able to get a rough idea of how uh, things are working out for us. And at the same time, we're not uh, in the financial position to be able to afford large marketing campaigns. So since it's all organic, we don't really have much to lose. So we try to really uh, grasp control of that and
0: take advantage of our creative out-of-the-box thinking. Reza and Ali Kajavi of Nittoyer Express are guests tonight on Today's Entrepreneur and we'll talk about their upcoming Dragon's Den experience on the program too. 7.34 on CJAD 800 this is Today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our guests this evening, Reza and Ali Kajavi of Nittoyer Express and uh, Josh, we were talking before the break about uh, how they're uh, going to be uh, having a, a Dragon's Den experience soon.
1: That, that's got to be an interesting experience, a scary experience, and you better be prepared. From the few shows that I've seen, you better be prepared. So uh, maybe one of you can kind of explain to us, uh, not so much uh, a little bit about the process, but more what you what you put into it and what you get out of it. Really, we felt
3: that uh, if we're going towards an investor, uh, we really got to justify uh, every single dollar that they're going to put into this company. And uh, we can't just make a general uh, label on it, we really got to get into the nitty gritty. Uh, so that really helped us to think, uh, if we're going towards the path of expansion, which is really what we want from the dragons, how we would do it, what we would need, and what's the right way of going about it. So that really helped us to focus on that topic, which is usually put aside because of our day-to-day operations and as far as the experience it was amazing it was on home turf it was in JMSB, so we felt comfortable uh, we brought a little bit of our on uh, strike uh, members uh, to give them a feel of our strong marketing campaign and the producer that was doing the interview had a very uh, we, we had a very good fe- feedback from him and we're really feeling good about it which anytime now they're supposed to get back to us to let us know if we're gonna be
1: on the show or not you mentioned about expansion and and certainly that's if I had to ask you the question, what's next for Nettoyage Express? That's what you're really thinking about when you first started. Were you how how far ahead did you think? How far ahead did you plan? Did you plan? You know what? We're gonna start Island of Montreal and then move on, or is this something that really only hits your thoughts a lot more recently? Well, I mean, maybe you could say
2: that we were overly optimistic um, at the beginning, and the, the, you know, we always knew that um, from the beginning that the model would work quite well as franchising. And so um even from the early days the 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 idea was that to prove the model in Montreal and um to really establish it as a as a successful solid business model and then because of our flexibility with partnering with local dry cleaners it is a model that we can expand to other cities quite easily um primarily our, our, our first option would be franchising and we did think about it a lot at the beginning but um, but I say overly optimistic because we thought that it would you know, be a lot quicker than this, and we've realized that it takes a lot longer than than what we originally thought.
1: There's definitely competition out there, I would say. Do you monitor your competition? Do you keep tabs on them? Do you adjust depending what they do? I mean, uh, every time I have conf- uh, we have competition, we, we take a close
3: look at them. We discuss um, the advantages they're giving uh, compared to us, but we haven't really seen anyone that's been really putting keeping us on our toes but as one of my good friends told me one time keep the competition in the rear view don't take your eye off and make sure you're ahead so that's what we're really trying to do uh, but throughout the years people have come um, they've thought it, because it looks easy it looks like it's simple but it involves a lot of hard work and uh, you need to have tough skin and you need to keep going so uh, un- unfortunately they're not around today And uh, we're still going. And so we're looking forward to any new competitors. We feel that they'll actually help us get the message across and fertilize the grounds. And then we'll
1: see. uh, Let the better man win, like they say. (laughs) Excellent. Now, you're starting off a business. You have a few dollars. You have to make sure you are the most efficient you can be. Now, you're running around the city picking up dry cleaning or laundry or whatever it may be how do you ensure that you are the most efficient possible are you relying on software are you relying on certain maps are you kind of have a big sheet of montreal out there saying how do i go here there and the other what kind of thought process goes into the planning of your efficiency yeah well
2: it's interesting because um we compared to when we first started and and right now we were terribly inefficient when we when we first started um uh, for example we had Right now, there's two time windows that a person can, can request a pickup for, either in the morning between 9 to noon, or in the evening between 6 to 9. When we first started, um, customers could basically choose any one-hour window throughout the entire day. So we would notice that we would get a pickup from one building, and then an hour later, we would get a pickup from the same building. So we'd go to the same building twice. So then you know, we realized that if we expanded into just one bigger window, then we can organize the, the pickups that are close to each other and, and do them uh, at the same time instead of having to go back and forth. And then as far as software and stuff like that goes, uh, we came a long way from, from that as well. We, at the beginning, all the routes and all the evening and daily pickups were, were written through an Excel spreadsheet, and uh, there was a lot of mistakes happening, a lot of orders that were accidentally uh, missed or, or stuff like that. And so when we rebuilt the third version of the website, we uh, focused a lot on the front end, But we also focused a lot on on what our back end would look like. So today we have a tablet inside the truck um, and all the pickups and deliveries are synced when customers place them. And what we see in our um, in our tablet in the truck with a GPS built in in the tablet so that we can get directions when we're lost. So it's really advanced right now how we're doing it from an operational standpoint. Is
1: this a knowledge that you had before you started the business? Definitely. Did you gain it? Did Did you outsource any of it? Definitely not.
3: I mean, in the beginning, it was just, we pick up your clothes, we bring them back to you. And throughout the time, uh, especially Reza was really on the web, really working on the website, uh, looking at other companies throughout uh, North America and how they're doing it. And just, we were looking at our troubles. We really just, it was a trial and error process, there was a lot of learning curves. And like Reza said, we kept seeing that our routes have mistakes in them. We have Excel sheets and things are missing. And so this is actually a great advantage that we have it, that it's in the truck. And it also gives our customers a real-time uh, update of uh, when the pickup is made. So technically, they have a pending pickup uh, status. And as soon as it's picked up and we get back to the truck, we change that status, status. So it's very real-time and it makes them feel comfortable. And we seem very reliable
1: and we are reliable. So You mentioned a couple of uh, hiccups along the way as you look back in the in the years since you started if you with the knowledge you have today if there's anything you had to do differently what would it be if there was any mistake you you had a do-over would it be anything specific that you could think of
2: i'd say um... i'd say the one thing would be not to not to overestimate or underestimate things for example when we uh... when we were planning a marketing campaign uh, the expectations we had from from it uh, Normally turned out to be a lot less. We would we 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 had a lot higher expectations than than what it actually turned out to be. And so I think if we look back and then we were a bit more realistic in certain areas, we wouldn't have made. For example, if we do something and we're expecting a high return from it, um, and it doesn't work out that way, we're kind of stuck in our plan. So if we're a bit more realistic in in some of our forecasting. I think um, we would have been a lot, you know, moving forward a lot um, more stable as as things went on.
1: Now, you guys are brothers. You're yes. a year apart about? A year and four months. Now, how do you ensure your roles? Do, do you overlap a lot? Do you guys have specific roles? Well, it's
3: been an evolving process, actually. Uh, When we first started, uh, we were actually doing pickups together. So it seemed really weird for our customers that two people are doing the pickups. We drive everywhere together because we both want to feel for the business. And as the times went by, uh, Reza started really having passion for online and the web. So he took that initiative of developing a new website and going after funds uh, with the multiple bursaries that we got. And I would take care of the day-to-day operations. So that kind of happened naturally. And as time went by... I mean, the the arguments that were a bit more uh, aggressive in the (laughs) beginning, uh, we did get, uh, you know, because we're both entrepreneurs, we're both doing this because we don't want to bust. So when you're at this position where it's 50-50, you still got to answer to someone, you still got to get permission Mm -hmm. from your partner. And so it was tough in the beginning, but now we've calmed down, we've, we've, we've really got a lot of experience, we know how to deal with situations, and we know how to move forward and focus on the main goal and keep our brotherhood intact. (laughs) Which is the most important?
0: That was my next question, actually. How how does it? uh, How how is it working with family all the time? And do you find that's a benefit to your business, or is that something that can create friction sometimes? This is something that actually worried us in the beginning, because when we first started, we were looking for an investor,
3: and one of the investors was really suggesting that we should stop this business, that we shouldn't go in business because we're two brothers, we're gonna ruin. Our relationship and it really scared us in the beginning. We knew that no matter what happens, our brotherhood because we've been together ever since we were born and we're best friends. So that can never be damaged or tarnished. And uh, we are our brotherhood is greater than that. So, but at the same time, we have a lot of trust with each other. There's no doubting uh, in in the potential or the the reliability in one another. So it's actually a great advantage. It's a great experience. I couldn't choose a better partner than Reza.
1: I'm, uh, you know, thankful that I have them. As a as a small business, just just quickly before we end up, as a small business, a lot of expenses can affect you greatly. Gas price fluctuations must be huge if you're on the road all the time.
2: Oh well, yeah, and and we saw the impact. And and part of what I said earlier, how we switched the the time windows and and try to really make sure that our routes were efficient, was because of that. Because we didn't want to, because as gas prices went up. One option was to throw the additional expense onto our customers and let them um, you know, take care of that additional bump, but that's, it wasn't something that we wanted to do, So, and we didn't want to do it unless we really had to. So the first question was, is there a way for us to optimize and, and increase our efficiency so that we can avoid throwing the expense to the customers, and that's what we ended up doing.
0: Alright, so guys are gonna stick around and uh coming up in a little bit you'll tell us your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. Uh but Josh, after the break we're gonna be talking
1: with Patrick Sullivan, uh and he will be talking about kind of owners and directors' liability. What you should what you might not be aware of, what might have to come out of your pocket. If you stay in business or if you close your business. Because uh, if you close your business, the trouble
0: doesn't necessarily end there, as Patrick exactly. will explain after the break. 7.48 on Today's Entrepreneur, our guests this evening, Reza and Ali Kajavi of Netway Express. And Josh, we also bring into the conversation Patrick Sullivan from uh, Managing Partner at Full Landau. And we're going to talk about a, a bit about liability and uh, what happens if you get in trouble with business uh, and, uh, and stuff can haunt you. Like we'll find out well after that business is gone.
1: And I think there's a a lot of areas and a lot of documents and a lot of contracts that owners sign and they don't always read the fine print. So not only could there be liability from government amounts owing, but there could be liabilities to maybe your financing group. So I guess I'm gonna turn to Patrick and as he can enlighten us, um, not depress us, but he's gonna enlighten us and, and give us knowledge on what are some of the areas, Patrick, that some owners or directors aren't always aware of?
4: Uh, Definitely. You know, the minute you start a business, one of the key areas you're going to try to find suppliers and try to seek some kind of credit from these suppliers. Uh, Many, many times people have a tendency to send you an application form uh, where you will receive, you will acknowledge we want to do business with you. We want a credit limit of X dollars. And at the end of this beautiful form, Uh, many many times people don't read the fine print and that's their first engagement where to a supplier they will personally guarantee along with their company for whatever business they'll be doing with them and that to the tune of that credit facility Uh, many many times I've seen in insolvency situations where people did not realize uh, that they had personally guaranteed to a supplier until such time that that supplier came knocking on their door and said hey guy remember you signed this document Seven years ago with me, well, today you owe me fifty grand uh and this that's where it all starts.
1: Does it usually happen with the bigger suppliers that can afford
4: the those that legal counsel to put it in the fine print? uh more and more, there are a lot of standard forms out there, so you can't say there's big, small, or medium. I mean everybody has access to these quasi standardized uh, application forms. And that's where people, unfortunately, have to read them carefully uh, and, you know, st- strike out what's what you don't want to see there at some point.
0: What about in terms of the, the different types of companies? You know, it, does, an
4: LLC, for example, is that going to mitigate some of that? No. Uh, it, 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 ha- it That you're incorporated, that you're registered, that you're an LLC. When you personally guarantee you're becoming, you become jointly and severally liable with the incorporation so it doesn't protect you if you've personally guaranteed Uh, and this is vis-a-vis obviously your banker it will be vis-a-vis some of your suppliers in certain cases Uh, and then you have all the other elements where you have directors liability or owners liability and we're gonna get into that because those become very uh, important in certain cases let's get into that now what are some of those areas Uh, Key one that that always comes back is deductions at source. If you have employees, obviously you're responsible as a director uh, for those remittances to the government. It's considered as a deemed trust. It's considered the money, the minute you withhold it from uh, the paycheck of your employee, it's property of the government. So if you do not do those remittances, obviously you're liable for them. So
1: if you close the door... And you think your company's closed, and you, and that's it. But the company still owes deductions at source; the director's
4: still on the hook. Absolutely. And uh, the governments will obviously come after directors for any amounts owing, and uh, you know standard penalties, interest, and whatnot. Uh, that is one uh, of the uh, liabilities. The one that comes back frequently is deductions at source. Uh, there's also liabilities for gst and qst where directors are liable for those also uh, in in bankruptcy situations these get triggered automatically there's super priorities deductions at source which even rank prior to a bank so if they don't nail you on your personal guarantee the bank has to pay they'll get you there so directors remain liable for those debts
1: you don't always you don't always think what happens if the worst happens, but you sometimes got to plan for it and make sure that the cash flow keeps that into account. And when we come back, we'll hear a little bit more, some more liabilities or pitfalls that directors should be aware of. As well
0: as Reza and Ali's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur. Back on Today's Entrepreneur with Reza and Ali Kajavi of Nithwayar Express and Patrick Sullivan as well from Fuller Landau talking about liability
1: Josh. And let's continue the the trend. What else you know you were talking about how directors you know they have certain liabilities, sales tax, GST, qST, deductions at source when they're when you're financing, when you're getting monies from banks, do they take this into account these these amounts that are kind of almost seem like priorities
4: that have to be paid?: Absolutely. what the banks will do is they will assess or they will ask you to report. Uh, on a on a monthly basis, when you're doing your your financing arrangement and your margining of your financing arrangement, you, they will ask that you report any amounts owing for GST, QST. They will ask you to report uh, amounts owing on deductions at source. They will also use one of the one of the areas we haven't discussed is the the famous WEP or the Wage Earner Protection Program uh, that now exists, whereby in an insolvency situation. Employees have a certain amount that's guaranteed, uh, which is called a super priority, where they will recover for unpaid salary vacation uh, to the tune of, of $2,000, which is a super priority. Plus, they will be entitled to have, uh, right now in 2013, it's like $1,600 more uh, in, in view of severance. So that also is, is included in liabilities to directors. So it's a super priority. That being said, the bank will reduce that from your availability on a monthly basis because they know they will have to pay it and then collect from directors.
1: So let's put a couple of numbers to this. If you can borrow $300,000 and you have 50 employees, the, the, the bank can take those 50 employees, say it's a couple of thousand dollars per employee, so I'm going to take off $100,000 of what you can borrow. So you're 300000 You can only really borrow 200000
4: That's the simple calculation, but that's the exact calculation. In, uh, and, and that's the easy way of doing it for banks. How many employees do you have? They're all full-time. It's $2,000 ahead. head. Uh, part-times, I've seen them say it's going to be $1,000 ahead. So you can imagine that a business that has thousands of employees... Okay, If they apply that calculation, it's horrendous the amount of money that they will will keep aside in reserve. So normally, to a certain limit of employees, what they will do is they will go with the accruals based on knowledge of the business as opposed to applying the total WEP. Otherwise, the poor companies wouldn't have any borrowing space at all. So
1: even though you're a going concern, your company is not closing tomorrow, you are profitable, yes, the banks will still not lend you money on this. I'll call it
4: a notional amount, even though it could potentially be real. Correct. Uh, But bear in mind that in doing so, it also protects directors to a certain degree. So it's
1: a little bit good, it's a little bit bad, but uh, bottom line is you got to think about it. Thanks very much, Pat. Pleasure. And as we approach the end of our show, we'll turn to Ali and Reza and whoever can go first would like. What one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur?
2: Well, I would say that if you own a business or if you're starting one today, the web should be your very best friend. And it's just way too powerful to ignore. And I've seen um, a lot of businesses that have, that are neglecting that and are, are not investing the time and uh, money that's required um, to build it and to, and to really make it a, a really fully functional website. And, and it's really being neglected too much. So what I would say is, um, is is don 't underestimate the power of it and and do what you can to to make a great website
3: um, what I would have to say is it's let 's keep it with the psychology factor uh you want to be ambitious but you want to be realistic don 't get your heads in the clouds stay keep your feet grounded uh go over all your numbers and really um when you put,
1: do something do it right put your hundred percent and you only get what you put in. And Dan, my quick takeaway from from listening to to Ali and Reza is uh, I've never, you know the word entrepreneur that we keep talking about. I mean, these guys, they built it. Their heart, their soul, their dollars are into it. They're not somebody that walked in, somebody gave them a million bucks and said, go make something happen, and they can afford to make a ton of mistakes. Not these guys. Not these entrepreneurs. Roll up their sleeves, get into it, test it, tweak it, move it, come back to it, do it themselves. Don't rely on everybody else. Uh, that's the real entrepreneur that came out tonight.
0: Reza and Ali Kajavi from NetWire Express, thanks so much for dropping by, guys. Thank thanks you for you. having us. It's, it's been an honor. honor. And Pat Sullivan from Fuller Landau, thank you. And oh, Josh, we back next Monday night at 7 p.m. This is News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.